Good morning, Faith Promise. Anybody glad to be in the house of God this weekend? Woo, welcome. It is great to see you. Welcome to all of our campuses from way out in Campbell County all the way over to Bledsoe County, all of our campuses. God Behind Bars, our internet campus. We love you guys. We're thrilled to have you this weekend. You are loved if you're here. We just love you guys. Now, you could be, we, we've got people this weekend all the way from Spirit-filled all the way over here to skeptical about anything to do with the Spirit. No matter where you're on the spectrum, we love you and we're honored that you're here. And we believe that God has a word for you this weekend. We believe that God drew you here, especially this weekend. And so the message is so important. Matter of fact, the message this weekend, I want to challenge you to really lean in. Because this message is going to determine whether you stay married. It's going to determine your level of joy. It's going to determine your outlook. It's going to determine so much of your life. So this message is so vital. So, you know, it's like overtime in a ball game. You come back in and everybody leans in. I want to challenge you to just lean in this weekend. Amen? By the way, last weekend, 105 people went public for Jesus. and exciting <laughs> baptism. Already this weekend, a bunch more people have been baptized, and hundreds will be baptized this weekend and the next subsequent coming weekends because God is at work, and so it's exciting. Anybody ready for the Word of God this weekend? Come on. All right. So this is just so vital. So let me ask you a question. How many of you recognize this right here? What is that? And Rick, can I just tell you that a rearview mirror is so vitally important it is, it is critical if you're going to drive a car that you get this thing. Matter of fact, when you first learn to drive, one of the things they do, I see y'all. <laughs> see a blind spot back there? I hate to turn my back to y'all. But, but what we do is we teach when somebody, we teach, we're teaching someone to drive, get in the car, crank it, put your seatbelt on, and adjust your what? Adjust your mirrors. It's critical. And, and because the rear view mirrors, the side view mirrors, they're going to keep you from running over people, running over objects. They're going to keep you from getting in a wreck, right? Theoretically, because it didn't help me Tuesday. I was in Birmingham at a conference, Michelle and I, some of our team at ARC, and I was uh, leaving the hotel to go to a dinner, a bunch of pastors and their wives, and I pulled a little too far out in traffic. And so I realized when the cars are coming, I'm a little too far out. And so I, I put it in reverse. I look in the rearview mirror, and I drive an F-150, a 2011 pickup truck, and I've got a high-tech rearview mirror. Because when I put it in reverse, my backup camera pops up on my rearview mirror. Well, now I've learned to watch the rearview mirror. So I put it in reverse, but I'm trying to get out. I'm in a hurry. I look up, and, and I look up, and the mirror blinks out. And I think it's clear, I hit the gas, immediately blinks back on, and all I could see is the front end of a beer can car right behind me. Now, the thing about it is, I didn't have, as soon as I hit the brakes, I ran all over that car. I mean, I backed up all over that. There's a good thing about having a pickup truck, it didn't put a scratch on my truck. <laughs> it totaled that beer can, though, I can promise you right now. Now, they may get good gas mileage, but they're going to need another car. And so I jump out of the truck, wham, jump out. God, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Oh, my fault. I'm sorry. And the guy said, are you going to the dinner? I said, yeah. He said, go ahead. We'll meet at dinner. It was another pastor and his wife. 
Okay, that's the only reason I didn't just drive straight home right then. It's getting to just go home. And so, now, and I didn't realize, see, that, that he's got a beer can. Well, I've got a big honking trailer hitch on my truck. It's got three balls. You know what I'm talking about? Two and five A's and all that. Well, I didn't realize I had penetrated. It was unconsensual. <laughs> I had penetrated that car, right? So, <laughs> y'all have terrible minds. Can I just tell y'all right now, stop that. I'm trying to preach. And so... And so, I, and so the, he gets in his car, I get in mine. Michelle said, okay, I said, yeah, they're, they're going to the dinner. We'll see him over. I put it back in drive. And about that time, we unlink. <laughs> Pow! Oh, my goodness. So my rearview mirror didn't help me. Because if you've not adjusted the mirrors before you get in traffic, it's too late. You know what I'm saying? You know, somebody pulls out in front of you and you've got two lanes and you've got about an eighth of a second to decide, am I going to hit that person, slam on the brakes, or am I going to change lanes? But if, you're, but if your mirrors are not adjusted before that happens, then you don't have time to adjust them. You are in trouble. Destruction is going to come upon you or your car or someone else. Well, that's how we are trying to navigate the culture of the 21st century. Have, trying to develop a worldview in this culture that has now moved to warp eight in speed. Does that make sense? So here we are, many of us as Christ followers. Some of you are not Christ followers yet, and that's great. We're just thrilled you're with us. That's okay. Just keep coming. But, but we've got all this stuff that's coming at us at breakneck speed. You know, elections and these political parties and Affordable Care Act and are we going to overturn Obamacare and am I going to have insurance and, and what about terrorism and what about us dropping the mother of all bombs and what about the Syrian refugees and what about women's issues, abortion and all this other stuff? What about gay marriage and transgender? What are we going to do about all that? These and so many other issues are pounding on us from culture and they're landing on our faith like a ton of bricks. Does that make sense? And we who are Christ followers have got to decide how do we see the world because culture will sideswipe us and tear off our side view mirrors. So here we are trying to navigate and our mirrors are all messed up. And again, somebody pulls out in front of you, the mirror's messed up, it's too late. So who's going to determine what I believe in and, and how I adjust this world? See, mirrors, like our worldview, only help if they're aimed deliberately. Does that make sense? That, that you've already made a decision about what, about what you're going to you're believe and why you're going to believe it, about how you're going to react to culture that's, that's pounding you in the face every day and in all these ways. It's, how do I react to this rampant on-race culture? Few of us, after I'm 56, 35 years of marriage, this is what I've learned about people. Very few of us consider the source or the sources of our worldview. Matter of fact, most of us believe, I determine what I believe. Eh, not so much. Matter of fact, tell me how old you are and where you grew up, and I'll tell you what you believe about most issues. Because you didn't come up with those culture fed them to you. Or the church may have given them to you. Or your parents gave them to you. And so, so what, what, how do we decide what we believe? So my question is this. What is your default position? Now, if you got a newer car... My, my pickup truck doesn't have this, but if you got a newer truck car, it's got one, two, three, and four right there on that armrest. And you get in the car, and if you're the primary driver, you hit one, your seat moves into place, it adjusts, your mirrors adjust, you know what I'm talking about? 
And if you got a really nice car, it's got two or four drivers that you can preset, pre-adjust all that stuff. So my question is this. If you're listening, say, I am. Who adjusts your mirrors? Is it Fox News or is it CNN? Is it Rush Limbaugh or is it Hardball? Is it, is it, the, is it your political party? Is it your race? Is it your upbringing? Who said it? See, again, most of us never realizes the sources that have informed our worldview. Does that make sense? We just believe what we believe, and we think that we came up with it all. We didn't. It's amazing to me the sins that the church preaches on change every generation. If you're over 70 or 75, then when you, if you grew up in church, the most heinous sin was going to picture shows. We call those movies. Picture shows, playing cards, and God forbid you would play dominoes. That was, that was heinous. My generation, homosexuality, it was the king of all sins. This generation, it's, social, it's, it's injustice and social issues. Every generation is different, and we think, I came up with that. No, your culture gave it to you. It could be right. It could be wrong. My deal is let's be intellectual, let's have some intellectual integrity and decide why we believe what we believe. You could be a very strong atheist, and it's going to inform your worldviews. Just don't default to that. Make it deliberate, not because your college professor said it, but because you've researched, and that's what you believe is, is what you should do. So we got an atheist right here, and then we got me that's a Christ follower. Do you think we come at things differently? Of course we do. I believe there's a God. They don't believe there's a God. I believe that God loves me. They believe in randomness. I believe there's a plan. They believe there's no plan. It affects how we see things. So as a Christ follower, and some of us aren't, some of us aren't yet, the Word, the Bible, is the revelation for my worldview. Does that make sense? See, now my life, I grew up in a non-Christian home. And so my culture, my rearview mirrors, my worldview were adjusted to sit without God. Then I, as I got older, all my friends, I was in a, a very sinful culture, and, and my life was, was engulfed with sin and, and anti-God. Now, at 22, I'm saved. I start believing that the Bible is the Word of God, and I realize I'm wrong about everything. And so I needed more Bible than anybody else because I needed every day to have my rearview mirror adjusted. Does this make sense? Because they were all out of whack. And so I needed the word. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, I think all of us need the word to set our agenda. Would y'all agree with that? Well, come on. We need that. All of us. And so the deal is this. Your default view determines your direction. What are the automatic settings? Because it is going to determine where you're going to go, what you're going to do, where you're going to serve, where you're going to give. Are you going to stay married? What are you going to, you know, how do you view? It's going to affect everything in your life. And so God said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, watch over your heart, your rearview mirrors, with all diligence, that means giving it all of your effort, for from it, your heart, your mirrors, your worldview, flows, the springs, or every issue of life. Does that make sense? Again, let's, let's, let's lean in and open our eyes because your heart is going to determine where you're going and how, you, how your heart has been filled and what it's been filled with. It says in Proverbs 23, 7, So as a man thinks within himself, so who trains you how to think? 
Who trains you how to process? Who trains you what filter and paradigm that you would take everything that you look at and how that you will see? Because you could take the same thing and put two different people and they will come up with totally different how their worldviews are different. Now, have you ever seen the Autobahn, the, the superhighway over in, over, in, over in Europe? Man, this thing is wide and it is big. And if you're driving 125 miles an hour, in the speed limit, you will be flipped off for going too slow. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Because those people are driving Lotuses and Ferraris and they're driving cars and they're running about 150, 160. You say, no, they don't do that. I promise you. I have friends that have been there, flipped off for 125. They thought they were shattering the land speed record and people are driving by saying, you're number one. <laughs> if you're just going to drive 125, get in the slow lane. And so, see, that's our culture today. It is racing by us. New issues every day. What am I going to believe? What am I going to do? It's too late when, you're a, when somebody's pulling in front of you to set your mirrors. You've got to determine what your worldview is. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in who? With all of your, and do not lean on to your own. In how many of your ways? How many? All of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will readjust your mirrors. He will give you what you need. Does this make sense? But I hear people say, well, if God says boom, then I don't. Y'all ever heard people say that? See, because their worldview, their mirror adjustment is right, and if God doesn't agree with it, then there's no God or God's wrong. Because they have a worldview that they are the end-all, do-all, be-all of truth. And so if it doesn't line up with them, it can't be right. A deliberate view determines your outlook. In, De in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is the number one verse in the Old Testament. If you go to Israel today and ask an Israelite who believes the Bible, now their Bible stops in Malachi, the Old Testament, what's the most important verse still, they'll tell you this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. See, if you are focusing on loving God, then having God's worldview is easier. Does that make sense? See, at my house, I love to buy Michelle presents. And I, if I buy a present early, I want to give it to her now. It's just, you know, I want to be surprised. I'll buy you something else. Here, let me give this. No, Chris. And when my kids were little and we opened Chris's presents, they would all say, Dad, it's not fair. Mom got more. And I would say, time out. Let me explain something to the family. I love Mom more than you. Now, I know the, the babies today are the most special thing God's ever created. Come on, I got that because I have grandbabies, but my children weren't. And so, <laughs> and so it's, it's not fair. I'd say, let me, let me explain something to you. In a few years, in Jesus' name, you're going to grow up and move out. I said that by faith. <laughs> and when you leave, it's going to be me and your mom. And you'll be gone. You'll have a family, and it'll still be me and your mom. And I don't have to work at buying and doing things for Michelle because I love Michelle. And if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, it's easy to develop a God view of the world. Does that make sense? See, the Apostle Paul, who was, who was a Pharisee, meets Jesus and it changes everything. Philippians chapter 3. Whatever things were gained to me, everything in my past, those things I've counted as what? For the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the surpassing value 
Number one, big honking deal, the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. It's it, my intimate relationship, number one. For whom I've suffered the loss, my relationship with Jesus has cost me. Can I ask you a question? Has your walk with God ever cost you? He said, it's cost me everything. I suffer the loss of all things. He counted them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own drop from the law, which is what he had B.C., but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. He said, number one is my love for God. That adjusts my mirrors. Now I have a different worldview. When I got saved and baptized, I got a new message. I got a new master. I got old things were gone and new things have come. Paul's Paul's deliberate, decisive view was my walk with Jesus is number one. Now, last weekend, we've crossed the line into a new series called What's Between the Lines. And I want to challenge you, whether you're a Christ follower or not, to engage us between the lines, to hang in this series, maybe you're a new Easter, and hang with us. And we believe this, that when life moves between the lines, our move is to trust God. Not say, well, if God says this, then God's not love. If God doesn't agree with me, then God's not love. See, we've gone way too far that if you don't agree and and embrace everything I'm about, then you don't love me or accept me. That's crazy talk. There's nobody on the planet I agree with everything about. Does that make sense? Not even me sometimes. And so, you know, me and me, we disagree. So some of you guys got saved at Easter. You hadn't been baptized yet. It's part part of your worldview. What will your family and friends say? What will people think? It's part of your worldview. See, because 332 people, 31 people said, I gave my heart to Jesus on Easter, and 115 signed up for baptism. Now, we've baptized more than 115 in the last two weeks, but there's still 200 people that said yes to Jesus, have said no, not yet to baptism. Why? Worldview. Some of you are not serving. Why? Your worldview. Some of you are not giving. Why? Your worldview. How your mirrors are adjusted. Everything in life comes from your worldview. An intimate relationship with Jesus, listen, if you're listening, say I am. An intimate relationship with Jesus enables you to trust God in every situation that's possible. If you don't have an intimate relationship, then you can't trust God. Because intimacy builds trust. So let us be deliberate in determining our worldview. Make a choice. Don't just do it by default. Don't just let culture or your parents or your whatever in, infect and affect and create what you believe. Make a decision. Be, make it be deliberate. So let's just be raw and real, man. Let's, let's talk about some things. Number one, a deliberate worldview, it can be dim sometimes. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see in a mirror dimly. He said, when we're talking about God, it's dim, and we're seeing through this mirror dimly. But then face to face, we get to heaven. I will, now I know in part, but then when I get with him, I will know fully just I'm also been known fully. But now faith, hope, and love abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the chapter on what love is, the most well-known chapter in the Bible. In the midst of that, Paul says, hey, listen, there's faith, hope, and love, but love trumps all. And when you don't know what to do, when there's life is between the lines, when there's not a chapter and verse, we've got to, we've got to activate our faith so that we love. Does that make sense? Because in this world, Jesus said you've got to have tribulation. And my, my modern-day translation, crap is going to get slung on you in this world. And so you're going to have to face some things. Just this past week, our executive pastor, Josh Whitehead, one of the dearest people on the planet to me, his absolutely wonderful wife, Kim, was diagnosed with lung and bone cancer. 
Young, never smoked a cigarette, never tasted alcohol. Why? What's the deal? Well, when life moves between the lines, your move is to trust God. And she's not the only one, Lee Wells, Judy Sitterson. We have people in this congregation who are struggling for, that's why we come together. Does that make sense? But sometimes we see through a mere dimly, and we, we set a deliberate, our deliberate decision is a God worldview, but man, sometimes it moves between the lines, doesn't it? And we've really got to trust God and activate our faith. I'm so proud of Josh and so proud of Kim of how they're walking through it. Number two, a deliberate view can be illuminating. It's sometimes it's dim, sometimes it's illuminating. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you are now sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. God is going to illuminate your path. Romans 12, Paul goes on and said, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Has anybody experienced God's grace and mercy? Has God been good to anybody? Come on. So... The apostles said, because God's been so good, I'm challenging you to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service of worship. Would that sound to you like you ought to have a God view of the world? That, that, your, that your deliberate decision is to, is to let the word of God inform your worldview? And do not be conformed. This is, a, this is a manufacturing term. Conform means do not be pressed into a mold. There's injection moldings that they put plastic in and press it, and out comes a cup or a package. And so the world will conform us. It will mold us into its image. And if we are informed by Christ, then do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, and so what we need is a daily renewing, don't we? A daily adjusting of the what? The mirrors, our worldview, how we see things. Or the world will adjust the mirrors for you. So relationship is, is what's key. And here's, here's the deal. See, if you're religious, then the rules trump everything. If you have a relationship, then intimacy and trust and love trumps everything. There's so many people about that. And so the psalmist, God tells us in Psalms 119, 105, your word, the Bible, is a lamp to my feet and a what? It's a light to my path. It's what informs my worldview. It's what shows me, teaches me, and tells me what I'm supposed to do. It informs. This makes sense? Now, I live out a little in, the, in Hardin Valley, but it's still sort of out in the country. You would think you're in the country anyway. You're 12 minutes from, you know, the church. You're 12 minutes from Turkey Creek and everything everybody needs. So I'll be driving at night, and man, I just, man, I'm going to hit those high beamers. You know what I'm talking about? You have high beamers in your car? I know that's what they're called. That's what they call it by my house, high beams. And so it helps me see wider. It helps me see farther, and I love it. But the people coming in the opposite direction don't love it. You know what I'm talking about? Because what gives me light blinds them. Have you ever been blinded by somebody? So here we are, Christ followers. Are you with me? And many of us, what we believe God wants us to is blind people's retina with the Bible. High beamers on them all the time. Are you with me? And when you're driving and somebody else has their high beamers on, do you say, oh, those people love me. Thank God they've high beamed me. <laughs> is that what you do? No, you're clicking high beamers on and off and you're waving at them out the window with one finger. And What's wrong with you, man? You're blinding me. And when you're a Christ follower and you're going one direction and you're shining your high beams, you're blinding people that are going in the opposite direction. 
it doesn't invoke love for God or for you. It invokes anger. And then so what some Christians do is they just cut their lights off altogether. Well, let's not make anybody mad or angry, so let's cut our lights off, which causes you to crash. So what are we supposed to do? What, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to illuminate. We're supposed to, we're supposed to, Jesus said, shine your light before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So what do we do? We shine some light. Now the culture says, keep your light off at all times, right? Get to church, walk in the building, cut your little light on. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then when you leave, put it up. The, the church has said, get out there with your high beamers and blind them. Yeah, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Man. It's been a long week, sorry. But isn't this the way it goes? So what do we do? See, the Bible is a weapon, but it is not a weapon to bludgeon your friends and family with. It's a weapon to bludgeon the devil with. But our weapon for people that are far from God is love. Come on, it's loving them. Nobody has been beaten to Jesus. That's, that's the high beamers. That drives people away from God. Love, you can love people to Jesus. You can serve people to Jesus. You can care for people to Jesus. Man, you can do that. You can be at Starbucks and say, hey, by the way, I'm gonna pay for the guy behind me. Tell him, that, tell him God loves him and drive off. There's a million ways. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to high beam people. You can let your light shine. You can, man, you can love people. Now, there, you got to show, uh, you, but if you're more concerned with correcting people than you are connecting with people, you're never going to make an impact on people's life. You're just not going to do it. Did anybody argue you to, ch- oh, yeah, you're right, I'm wrong. Kylie, let me get saved. That's, come on. Let's be real. What's the deal? Now, Jesus is the light, right? And he shines some high beamers on who? The religious people. And I love it. Imagine this. Jesus is walking, and the religious people think they're going to shine light onto the Son of God and expose him. And he said, oh, you think that's light? <laughs> he, that's who, listen, when Jesus got with people far from God, he loved them. Now, you, woman caught in adultery, group of guys catch her, she's in the sack, they let the dude go. And they dragged the woman naked to Jesus, wrapped her with a sheet. I just want to know, where's the dude? Where's the dude? They bring to Jesus. Jesus, hey, the law of Moses, the rules say, stone her. We got rocks. What do you say? Well, you did it yesterday, and you three did it last week. And you guys in the back, you're too old, but you did it before. So all of you guys that have not committed this sin, you be the first to throw the rocks. They all leave. You don't shine light on the light. He kneels down. Woman, is there no one else to condemn you? Then neither do I. See, we church people are quick to condemn, but Jesus didn't. He said, neither do I. But go and sin. He shined light in, but he shined love in. Too many of us want to shine the light without the love. And the light without the love blinds and people don't want anything to do with you or with your God. Does this make sense? And so, 
the one that, hey, think about this. Do you think the one that created the world might can help you with the correct worldview? Of course he can. And so you got to be open. But a relationship is required. And in a relationship, trust. Little guy gave me this this weekend, last weekend. I kept it with me all week. Little boy, he's about three, I'm going to guess, three-ish. Three-piece suit, product in his hair. He looked good. I mean, he did. He could have got up here and preached a sermon. His dad walked up and he said, hey, he wants to give this to you. It's an envelope full of money. Had to be his life savings. I couldn't believe the money that was in the envelope. But it wasn't the money. It was this. It's this note he gave you said, I love you, church. Now listen. Listen, listen, listen. Lean in. The culture's going to try to tell him the church sucks. The culture's going to try to tell him there is no God. The culture's going to try to drive him away from us. The culture's going to try to say all the church wants is your money. That preacher's a charlatan. The culture's going to do everything it can to drag this sweet little boy away from God. That's the culture we live in. We have to recognize it. And Jesus said it would be better to have a millstone, which is a grinding stone. Some of them are so big they weigh tons. It's better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown in the heart of the sea than take one of these little ones and cause them to stumble. See, what's your view? And people say, Chris, why are you mad at culture? And I'm, I'm, I, could, well, I could preach this really ugly. That's why I'm mad. Because the culture that we live in wants this little boy snatched away from God. He loves his pastor. He loves his church. He loves God. But he's living in a world that's going to do everything it can to pull him away. And it's our job, Christ follower, to show him the culture's not right. Come on. It's the deal. It's the deal. <clears throat> you gave another a deliberate view, a deliberate view, worldview. It can be confusing. See, we're in this culture, we've got this religion, we've got all these things going on. So Paul writes a letter to the Galatians and says, hey, you guys were running well. You're killing it. You're blowing it up. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? What happened to you guys? Where did you fall off? This persuasion to leave grace did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Listen, a little of the culture infected changing your worldview messes the whole view up. This is why you got to be intellectually, have some intellectual integrity of why you truly believe. You didn't come up with it. We were fed most everything that we believe, some truth, some not. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you'll adopt no other view but God's view. But the one who, dis who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. See, they were leaving an intimate relationship with Jesus to move back to Judaism and a list of rules and regulations and a law-based work, a law works-based relationship, not a grace-based relationship with God. And Paul said, you guys, man, in, in King James said, you've been bewitched. So what we have to realize is this, that misaligned mirrors require us to look back to adjust them. We're driving, mirrors are messed up, this is what we got to do. This is not a good way to drive, by the way. Because I do this, this is what happens. If I do that, this is what happens. See, when I take my eyes off the road, Jesus said, he that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom because he can't run straight. Because this is how we're running. It doesn't work. 
So man, we've got we've to be so careful. A deliberate view can be clarifying. Philippians 1, verse 3, I thank my God and I'll remember it's of you. I, do, I pray for you guys every day. I thank my God for faith promise. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel. From the first day until now, for I am confident, I am sure of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will perfect in the day of Christ Jesus. My view is God's at work right now in you and me. That's my view. God's at work in us. I see it. It's my view. Does this make sense? It's my view that God is at work because I believe that relationship's the key. And see, we come to worship. And, and here, here now, now listen, we come to worship to give God glory. But let me tell you what happens. As we interact, we come to church, and if we could be honest, every now and then, all of us fall in the category. Life sucks so bad, badly, that we come to church and we believe that our problems are bigger than God. Come on. Can we be, listen to men, let's just don't act spiritual. Can we be real? We just believe our, our problems are bigger than God. They're slamming us in the face. They're hammering us. And then we come into worship and the music plays. We begin to raise our hands. And what God does is God flips the script in worship. That's why we do corporate worship. And our problems begin to get smaller. Our God begins to get big. Come on, does that make sense? That's why you need to be here. We're a family. We help each other. Again, this week was really difficult. I flew to, I had to leave the art conference and I had to go to Dallas. And I was going down there on a fact-finding mission to find out what I needed to do with my dad. And while I was there, I realized I got to take him home now. I, he's got to go home with me right now. And I called Michelle, flipped the house, man. I'm bringing my dad home. Our life will never be the same. But the Bible says to honor your father and mother that your days may be long on the earth. Are you with me? My worldview is biblical. I'm not perfect. I, I suck at a lot of things. But and so it was a really difficult weekend. What I want to do is be with my family. Now, because of my background, when I got saved, I lost my family. The church is my family. Now, you may see as the church is a place you visit on, you know, about at once every three weeks. Can I, can I be honest? That's the average promiser. Comes once every three weeks. So here's the deal. Do you think the culture might be affecting us more? We only come to church 1.3 times a month. Of course. Come on. Come on. But I need, I need the fellowship. I need the worship. I need the word. I need my church. See, we're here together. Josh and Kim walking through her cancer, how would they do that if they were alone? Without a family? Y'all know what I'm talking about? We do this together. Please don't try to do life alone. See, my worldview is informed by the Word of God, and my Bible says me, bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So some of you have been coming, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus because you thought this was all about rules and regulation. You thought this was a religion, and you had to never have any fun again. Can I tell you? That's what I thought when I got saved. I'll never have fun again. Then I realized, oh, crap, man, I remember what happened last night. Because after shooting up or all the partying, I didn't remember what happened the night before. People ought to tell me, oh, you had fun, really? Yeah, did I wreck my car? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can get you out of jail, but it was really fun. God, can we be dumber? Jesus brings joy. So if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, with every head bowed, every eye closed, hey, pray this with us. Dear Jesus, I've sinned. I know it. I'm so sorry.
forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Adjust my mirrors. Give me your view. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, let's give God some praise. Now, man, God is so good. It's, it's just unbelievable. So here's the deal. If you're not involved in a small group, man, listen, there are times that you're going to need us. And there are times that we need you. There are times that, that we walk through life and things are great. The Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. The Bible says weep with those that weep. There's seasons of life. Some seasons you're going to be carrying some other people here at the church. And some seasons they're going to be carrying you. See, while I was with my dad in Texas, I missed the birth of my son's daughter. Because I was having to do that. I didn't, I've still not even seen, she's four days old, I haven't even seen her yet. Little Scarlet. I just kind of get her in my little hands and squeeze her. But I haven't been able to do that. I will. I will. See, there are seasons, and there are times when life happens to you that you need us to pick you up. And if you're not in a small group, we can't do that. So I want to challenge you. Go to Next Steps in just a minute when this is over. Say, help me find a group. They'll help you. They're right through that door. They're, I can see them. The back door's open. They're back there. They don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about See y'all back there. At Next. Go to Next Steps. Say, hey, help me find a group. Not a weird one. <laughs> it's been a long week. I'm so sorry. I told you, man. It's a long drink of water for me being with y'all. It really is. So, man, if you just gave your heart to Jesus, feel free to the communication card out. Or if you've been saved and hadn't been baptized, just go ahead and say, I want to be baptized on that this service next week, and I'm going to bring all my friends. Let's just, let's, just, let's just let God adjust the mirrors. Amen? If you're not serving, hey, just go ahead and start serving. If you're not involved in generosity, if you haven't started giving, just go ahead and start. Amen? Just start. Let God change, let God change your view. See that? Ooh. I love to do it. There were cats out here. They'd be going crazy. So I'm, we love you guys so much. Are you glad that you were here this weekend? So we love you. Hey, man, can't wait to see you next week. Be blessed. Bring somebody back with you.